welcome into Animan Plus, episode 67. Hopefully you're having a great day. Whatever day you're listening or perhaps watching this podcast on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash sparky3. Uh, give us a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, be a friend, tell a friend that you're watching or listening. Uh, joining with me, as always, I got Zach here in studio. Zach, how you doing? How you feeling this wonderful Thursday? I'm doing good. Ready to go. It's just sort of funny. As I saw you messing with the uh, board over there. I just remembered I took a glance at a terrible football shows episode this week and yeah. just saw you showing it shaking that shame <laughs> yeah. it's like remember the board <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah shane completely uh he forgot that like you you know turned down the music and stuff on the episode that him and tyler did themselves so man and like i said on that episode it was so funny for me watching the raw version with Tyler, because like right when the music, right when they were about, to, like the music was about to drop, I just saw both hands come up with Shane, just come back to do the intro. I'm like, no, he's gonna forget the music, isn't he? <laughs> well, it was also good for everyone to know what you know what we're dealing with over here with the roadcaster. Here, I'll, I'll hang, I'll pick it up here. Hopefully, I don't unplug anything. Like, yeah, let's get this thing up. Yeah, look at that. Oh, look at that beauty. Oh, those bright lights. Oh yeah, all the bells and whistles. It's Only nice. took me a minute to order. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Because we were having so much trouble with. We had a. I mean, hey, it was. What was that ghetto setup? We. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember it was like really. It was okay. Let me stress this. It's good amateur equipment. All right, it was okay, but it was like it was a Behringer audio interface. All right, a four by four, and we had the um, the headphone amp plugged mm-hmm. up into it, and then to get phone calls for Josh for this show, I had to get an additional piece to attach into somewhere on the on there. I don't remember where. It was like attached to my phone and attached to somewhere on the interface. I don't remember where, but it was so stupid to get that to work properly. Yeah, I, I, if I remember correctly, we just had one real bad recording day of having to deal with it where I just fucking would screw it. I just went and ordered the Roadcaster. And shout out to Zach, because now we have the Roadcaster. <laughs> we've come a long way in terms like, of our I'm equipment. I I'm done with this crap. Yeah, we've come a long way in terms of our equipment. You know, new headphones, you know, these wonderful mics, the Rode Pod mics. We've come a long way, man. Uh, if you could sign up to the website, uh, sparky3.com, you can sign up for free or you can sign up for five bucks a month, get early access to podcast episodes such as this one right here uh, and other special perks like joining the Discord. You get special channels on the Discord. You can also go to sparky3shop.com. Uh, yeah, sparky3shop.com, pick up some merch. Uh, new designs will come out probably here sometime. Actually, yes, they will come out some here sometime soon because of what we're working on for this show. Yes. Yeah, so new designs here soon. I'll probably launch a promo code with that. We also have another promo code coming up for Terrible Football Show because the NFL Draft is right around the corner, and those promo codes do work for the entire site, so just keep that in mind. Uh, as well as follow, follow us at Twitter, at Animan Podcast, and check out the other shows. Be a friend here. Game Static, Terrible Football Show, talk about movies and stuff, which I think you guys are going to do something here soon. Shane and I are planning to do some Moon Knight stuff when that drops, like, next week. Excited as hell for Moon Knight. Uh, so Shane and I, I think, are actually going to do that every week. It's oh, all, okay. It's only a six-episode run, I believe. I think we plan to do that one weekly, so that's going to be pretty dope. Uh, all right, so for today's episode of Animan Plus, we are still doing our, our thing right now of just doing topics because I still have not caught up to anything except 86 because 86 is fantastic. I did watch a couple episodes of some stuff this week, uh, but still just didn't catch up. Um, yeah, still working on that. Uh, we do have Rising Shield Hero coming up here soon, as well as Spy Family. So that's super cool. Shut up! It's coming out. It's not getting delayed. There is a date. It is happening, but it is also confirmed for twelve episodes. Yeah. Yep. 
12 episodes for Shield Hero Season 2. So, big sad there. But uh, with the arc that they're approaching, understandable, I suppose. Would have liked more, but it is what it is. Uh, but yes, uh, for today's episode, we will be talking about well-written characters. And we also have some guidelines that we've kind of set up, like what we consider makes a well-written character. And Zach and I are going to kind of go through and give some shout-outs to some characters that we think are very well-written without within the manga, anime, webtoon world that we love so much. Uh, but before we jump into that topic... Uh, Number one, we're going to chat about 86, the finale of season two, or I, I guess, I guess technically the finale of season one, you know, since like, see, it's, it's, this was only part two of it, you know, that's how it was marketed. Was it? There was, okay. It's really weird. Cause there was like two different marketings for it where okay. it's like 86 season two. And then it's like 86, you know, part two where it's like the second curve of this season. You know, kind of like what Chainsaw Man's going to get, because that's also confirmed. Uh, Chainsaw Man's going to be getting, it's, you know, basically two parts, essentially. But, you know, it's weird, the marketing on this, because I've seen a lot of people say, oh, can't wait for the announcement of 86 Season 3. Oh, I can't wait for the announcement of 86 Season 2. I'm like, okay, which is it? Like, which which one is it? Like, how like the marketing for this was weird. Bottom line, we got the finale of 86 we're going to chat about. That's awesome. Uh, and then, uh, really, whatever else. You know, anything else that you want to chat about? Did you see the stuff about Toy Animation? No. So, Toy Animation got big hacked. Oh, okay. I did see that. I thought we were talking about something else. Nope. Was that this week? Yeah. Well, this week, yeah. Oh, I was thinking that was last week for some reason. Yeah, Tom kind of blends together right now. But no, that was uh, that was this week. Yeah, they got big hacked. Uh, caused delays across all their animes right now. Um, I could have swore that was last week. Cause yeah, been, it might have been because we chat about, I was about Dragon say, Quest. Yeah, yeah. I was like, because Dragon Quest has been out for two weeks now. Okay, okay. So the, the, the news that I'm leading up to that was this week was uh, Dragon Ball movie is delayed because of this. Oh, I did see that. Okay. okay, yeah, that that's the news where I was leading up to this. But you are correct. We did chat about that uh, last week. But yeah, Dragon Ball Super uh, superhero worst movie name in history. That uh, that movie has been delayed for who knows? God knows. No no time was given yeah. because of this hack. Uh, Josh made some comment to me where he's like, you know, who would go out of their way to hack toy animation? I'm like, I don't know. Probably someone that wants to stick to toy animation because they're assholes and wants to take away everyone's uh, content. So it's like, ha-ha, Toei, how does it feel to get your content taken away? Or I, was, I just think of Sakamoto Days Chapter 2. Those guys who took over a bus from playing and crashed into a oh, studio because yeah. <laughs> they axed their favorite series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else popped out this week that you want to chat about? Uh, no, not particularly. I really haven't seen a whole lot, but I also haven't been keeping up with uh, new stuff this week. Right, right. Uh, any chapters you want to give a special shout-out to? Uh, the One Piece chapter coming out this Sunday, 144, it looks insane. That's all I will say. Freaking the Mashal chapter. <laughs> the freaking Terminator ending. Oh, I know. Bro, I know. The, uh, I was actually sad. <laughs> but I did love that. I was about I to love say, the reference. That, that was the quickest freaking character turnaround I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would do, bro. That was so fast. Mashal was good. Uh, my Hero was okay. My mm -hmm. Hero was all right. Uh, Black Clover. Was that, on a, was that on a break this week? No, it was just a sh very short. That's one, right. It was like 12 a, pages. No, it was nine. Oh, you're right. It yeah, was nine. Nine-page chapter. Okay, seriously, let's chat about that for just a second. Is Black Clover ending? Because we are dead-ass determined it is. Because, bro, what is up with these short-ass chapters? Because like, I was talking to Josh about that on uh, Saturday or Sunday when he came over to help me at the other house. And, like... 
what baffles me about this, like if you're just like, uh, if you're just a reader of Black Clover, right? You don't follow any news, whatever. This is going to be, you know, you might be questioning as well, but you may not be as questioning as much as like me, Josh, or even you, Zach, because you know we follow the news. That's what we talk about on this show. I, do you remember last year when like funded by Shonen Jump? That Tabata got like a fucking yeah. a brand new studio, uh, larger staff, you know the whole works, right? Like you remember when that yeah, happened? No, they so gave... I, I, I was telling Josh, I can't help but to wonder what the hell is going on with Black Clover because it's like as soon as all this like you know the hype stuff started, which obviously started very quickly, we went from like consistent like twenty page chapters to like 15, 14, 13, 12, now a nine page. What is going on over there? Did he lose all of his staff? Like I'm so confused. I'm convinced it's ending though. You can't like at this point you cannot convince me otherwise until it's confirmed. At this point, like it's ending. I mean, I'm with you there. I mean, without everything's been going, I honestly don't know where the story would go from this point. Yeah, and maybe that's why we're getting short. So short chapters because he's trying to figure out whether he's going to carry on or if he's trying to make something up after this and having to figure out how to work it in when he's already here at the end. Yeah. He's trying to pull a Toriyama, basically. (laughs) Just right as he goes. That only works for the goat Toriyama, okay? Other people can't pull that off. And it barely works for him. Yeah, it it does because there's a lot of loop. There's a lot of plot holes with it. (laughs) Um, uh, How was uh, this week's Tokyo Revenge chapter? Because I did not read it yet. Um, I mean, it was good. It was mostly setting up all the fights happening. Okay. And unfortunately, Tokyo Revengers is going to be on a slight hiatus. They gave no, oh. they gave no real uh, return date. More or less, COVID hit several of the people who oh, work on it. Well, teasing. So tease. they've just put a straight hiatus for the time being, given no return date at this time. Gotcha. Well, teas and peas of that. Teas and peas. Um, Yozakor family was good. Uh, Yozakor family still good. Uh, very much. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, okay. Yeah. The chapter that came out this week was the one that I was, I was hyping to Josh about like this chapter this week was super dope because like all, you know, all the family are now setting up to try to find Corchero, you know, since he disappeared, mm-hmm. whatever. And they're going through different, very, different ways to try to find them. Like Shion is looking at like, you know, she's the big tech tech person. So she's looking at literally everything. And, like, he's just vanished. No cameras have picked him up, nothing. Like, he is he is gone. But what was so cool about this chapter is, like, as it's going to each character and, like, showing what they're doing to try to help this situation, mm-hmm. it takes a flashback with that character and Koichiro when they were kids or at some point in time because, you know, one of them is still a kid technically. Okay. Uh, so that was, that was a really nice uh, theme throughout the chapter was each of the characters, you know, doing their thing. And then when it, you know, takes that flashback where it's just like, uh, you know, it, sh- uh, it started off with, you know, Futaba, who's the old, you know, the oldest sister where she's just like beating the fuck out of people trying to get information. And then it takes to them when they were kids and Korchiro said something about like, Oh, she's too forceful for whatever. And then she follows up. which is like, I'm going to find you my own way by force, you know? So it's like that sort of theme, right? It's like, you know, each of these like things that uh, like I almost lessons or whatever, a young Korchiro gave, to everyone mm-hmm. like they're using that to try to help now find him yeah which was super dope uh as well as when it comes down to uh tayo um you know it shows 
you know, um, the flashback between him and Coachero before the big mission with Tampopo, which I know you love that name, uh, where, you know, you know, at the time that's where Coachero kind of set things up where it's like, if something happens to me, you need to finish this mission sort of vibe. Yeah. Well, now you get like a new little, like part of that scene essentially, uh, because at the time in, in real time of chapters, that moment got interrupted by the family, whatever. So this is like, you know, the continuation of that scene where he gives, uh, Tayo like this thing to take to the spy association and. And basically say something. It says something like, you know, Corachero delivered this to this person. You know, something like like a code, obviously. The orange is in the hen house. Basically. So just a, just, you know, uh, a theme, whatever. So then, you know, he get you know, Tayo gets sent up to the top to meet the head of the spy association. He literally walks past the guy in the hallway. And the guy's, like, cleaning the hallway like a janitor. He's like, oh, yeah, the president's office is right around there. And Tayo, you know, being the doofus that he is, like, oh, yeah, thanks. And he just goes in there. He's just kind of sitting there. Just vibing, and the guy's just setting up right behind him. He, the guy started laughing. He's like, "For Caracero, the younger brother, you're kind of an idiot, aren't you?" <laughs> uh, so, looking forward to seeing where it's going to go from here with the with the head of the spy association. I think, I think I finally convinced Josh to read this series, though. Took long enough. I know. Sooner or later, I hope hopefully I'll get you on it. Probably not. I know because you already guessed the whole plot. Yes. <laughs> During the first time you described it, I literally hit every plot point with yeah, like, having no context before besides what Alex was saying. Yeah, it's like, oh, so let me guess. This happened? Actually, yes. Oh, did this happen? Actually, yes. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's what happens when you've read, read so many series. There's certain plots you can see happening. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Those those kind of like uh, what I imagine, like what Dora Noron has. I, I haven't picked it back up, but that felt so stupidly generic. Uh, and I imagine it probably still feels that way. Did you drop it or are you still reading uh, it? I mean, I'm still checking it out. I mean, it's got its own little thing. It's still, I mean, it still has that sort of generic feel, but it, at this point, it's sort of gotten out where. Um, I mean, I sort of see where it's going, but they're trying to do something right. a little bit different. Because we've seen, like, three big bads, and then their fourth leader. We've also seen them murder a bunch of people. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, now people have come to investigate who are also going to get murdered. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, all right, well, let's jump into some quick anime chats. Uh, we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna chat about eighty six. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to personally shout out, uh, uh, or just uh, talk focus on eighty six here? Land Leadell had its uh, final episode for airing season. Episode oh. twelve was this week for Land Leadell. How was that? I mean, it was good. It was sort of a season two coming. No, I didn't say anything. It was sort of an odd ending, but for considering it was a more of slice of life series, it sort of makes sense. Right. But when when it ended and everything happened, I went. Is this episode 12? <laughs> and I looked, I was like, oh, look at that. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, does that mean like uh, Sabuki Bisco ended then? No, I guess Sabuki Bisco was started a week after it because it was only episode 11 for Bisco. Okay. What's Tribe 9 at? Also 11. Okay, so that, you know, those two are about to end then. Yes. Love of Kill, how's that going for 11. you? 11. How's it going for you? I mean, it's been interesting. Okay, so out of all these new shows that we checked out, Lana Liddell is still the best in your opinion. Um, probably best in just general storytelling for me. Um, I actually I take that back. Not general storytelling, probably more just characters. Okay, enjoyable. Probably the best in storytelling would probably be Love of uh, Love of Kill for me. Okay, uh, out of everything that we've checked out, what is your least favorite? Is it Sabuki Bisco? I guess. Uh, Yasuhime. Well. <laughs> I, I didn't know you were still continuing I that. I mean, it's ended already. Yeah. It ended several weeks ago. But oh, okay. <laughs> was the ending very subpar? 
Um, was it disappointing like last season? You know, I don't know if I've actually watched the last episode yet now. Well, that, tell, that tells you your answer. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've watched, watched the final episode yet. Okay. Well, we are just a couple weeks out from all the new anime starting. Like, Yeah, like two weeks. Two weeks out from new anime starting, so that's always cool. Looking forward to that. If I can unlock my phone here, that'd be awesome. Oh, cool. Uh, all right. But, yeah, 86 uh, had, you know, came to a close uh, with its final episode that, you know, like, again, these two episodes were delayed from last fall. And, I man, I got to tell you, this episode is one of, like, the most satisfying finales for me that I've ever got to see. Like, if, and now it's also because I'm such, like, a big fan of this series and mm-hmm. I've, I've gone through light novels and stuff. But I, I don't know. I mean... Like I'm curious your thoughts on that statement because like just how like the that ending scene uh like that episode came out Saturday of course I have watched that ending scene every single day since some days multiple times a day I'm obsessed because I I genuinely think that entire the entire episode but especially like those ending few minutes are just so beautifully well done like I mean this finale again to me is one of the most satisfying finales for an anime and, and that I've seen in, in a very long time. I mean, it was a very good final episode. Uh, the whole part with Shin, I mean, was it was all right. It was sort of finishing up, seeing as the main story of this uh, part two, season two, whatever it is, was mostly following Shin and the rest of the previous spearhead. So, excuse me. Um, so it was nice a little just sort of finishing touch with them, then ending, ending with that sort of salute at the end, and then cutting off, and then what was actually the interesting was actually – uh, major waifu's stuff. Well, I guess she's technically a colonel waifu now. Yeah. Um, you know. And just seeing the everything that's happened now, the yep. aftermath of everything, of going from defending the capital to being rescued by the Federacy and uh, sort of seeing the f- switch of the people's attitude from they were all high and mighty to still trying being high and mighty, but realize, slightly realizing they're being pricks about it. Yeah, yeah. Because there was a moment where people were getting fed or seeing served food, and some old guy's just like, "You gave that kid more than me. Can you?" Well, I forget what he said exactly. Um, Being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And not be equal and whatnot. It's just everyone just sort of looked at him, and the other guy was saying, "Yeah." He was just like, "Shit." Yeah, because keep in mind the people that were feed, feeding him was eighty six. So it's just like, you know, it was like, oh, well, why can't it, you know, can't we, can't it be equal? And it's just like that quiet moment of, oh, wait. <laughs> so, I mean, overall it was very good. And then actually seeing, since we haven't had any of uh, uh, Colonel Waifu's stuff this entire, besides the first episode, just seeing sort mm-hmm. of getting her aspect of it and just uh, getting to see her real, conciliz- real conciliation of her cork board, the people who died grabbing her box of faces she's been keeping, mm-hmm. similar to Shin's tags, yeah, just getting yeah. her sort of going through all this. Uh, that higher-up dude who was really shoe-kissing. Did you notice the pictures that were on his desk? Of Ernest? You know, you're talking about Ernest? Head of... Uh, no, not Ernest. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. The Republic guy. Yes, right. Yeah, and okay. And he had that really fake-ass-looking picture on the yep, left. Yep, With some 86. Hard. Like, and the 86 is just... Fucking hates their life. Yes. <laughs> hates their life. I saw that, and I was like, that's a nice touch <laughs> to this character to make me understand that he is completely ass-kissing. Yes. 
because there's also two Federsy guys just chilling in on sofas in his office next to him while he's giving yes um, yes Lena her new orders. And she found her cat, and the cat's just chilling by her legs. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked how that started. Too. It was like just ignore the cat. It's like it's what's that with you? Just ignore it. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, leaning to her, meaning Ernest and everything to, she, she very obviously hates that name of Bloody Regina. Oh, yeah. Because he said it and she just immediately, she got a fist ready to hit somebody. So she very obviously dislikes that nickname. Um, yeah, it, it, it was not her choice to get it. It just, kinda, I didn't, it, yeah, it was just kind of given to her. It sort of feels she, like it. Yeah, because she just became basically the top handler. Yeah. So it was just kind of given to her because of the red uh, strip of hair. Yeah, and I sort of figured it was sort of similar to uh, Shin's Undertaker of just... Right. It was sort of the thing, moniker he was given, and actually him in this episode coming to um, embrace that name of his and him deciding that he is going to be the Reaper, but not the one that carries people, but leads them to their end. Right. Because that was a very nice scene as he was leaving the memorial of him just saying, I haven't forgotten, y'all. I'm the Reaper. <laughs> I was like, well, goddamn shit. <laughs> yeah, he's fully embracing it. Which also, one thing about the uh, Undertaker thing that we failed to give a, a small little shout-out to last week was whenever the Federacy came in uh, to you know to kind of save the day at the end of that episode, and Cyclops was just like, wait, that symbol. And Lena's just like, oh, yeah, that was the Federacy symbol, right? And Cyclops is like, uh, you you know what? Yeah, yeah, you didn't she see it. She's just like, you've never, <laughs> you've never seen it before, so you wouldn't realize what it is. Yeah, yeah, because Cyclops I, is referring to the Undertaker symbol. Yeah. And I like how Cyclops doesn't even bother to even tell her at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Because even whenever Lena, eventually at the end of the episode, they actually, we finally get the meeting of former Spearhead and Lena. And it was very obviously Cyclops still never told her yep. because she walks up clueless as the hell who any of them are. Yep. Which, you know, reading that, uh, okay, so this scene was done twice in the light novel because I think I told you boys with the first 12 episodes of 86, right, that was literally the entire light novel one, right? Yeah. That scene that happened, that was actually at the end of the first light novel, but it literally just ends the light novel. It's been a long time, Handler 1, and that was the end of light novel 1. Mm -hmm. And then the scene picks back up in light novel 2. Um, but no, that okay, so that scene, that entire meeting scene was absolutely fantastic for multiple reasons I want to stress, multiple reasons. Um because this everything about like that ending sequence when they were setting up to meet had so much symbolism behind it in a lot of different ways, right? Where you're sitting there as as the spearhead are walking and you get those flashbacks of where they were before, you know, it starts with where they were now, where they were before and where they mm -hmm. back to, you know, that symbolism there. And when it comes to that symbolism, one thing that really sticks out is like when it came to Shin's time for his symbolism, right? where it showed him as a, as a kid, you know, as a baby, and it shows him, you know, as a kid running, and then it picks up with Shin running towards the rest of yeah. his team. Something that Shin normally would not do. Shin would normally just, like, walk towards his team. Where, you know, this is the symbolism of, you know, Shin has now reached that point, like you said, where he's fully embraced the Undertaker title, and he's now, he's really moving forward with life. You know what I mean? Which is, of course, thanks to everything that happened in the last episode where Lena never forgot about them, had the photo, whatever. You know, with that as well, other, like, little pieces of, like, just, you know, really dope touches that they made. There were three that I thought were incredible. The first one 
was when the meeting came, they came face to face. You have a shot of Fido. There was a little sparkle by his lens. Yeah, almost like he was crying. Like he was crying. That was awesome. Nice touch. Uh, which also with, you know, you know, you, I just do want to give a shout out to the actual meeting themselves of where she introduced herself super formal. And then Shin is kind of like, this, this isn't the first time we've met. You can hear everyone chuckling in the background. And then just like, like that drop of the hat almost of it's been a long time. Handler one was incredible. Like that line just gives me chills every time I hear it. Um, but after like the, you know, the, obviously the tears come flowing, the big meeting thing, I absolutely adored the shot of the railroad and then once it comes up with the railroad and all of them are saying the railroad was was that was the end there was there was no more which is such a dope little reference of course to the end of last season where she was standing on the tracks facing you know to try to follow them and then she obviously says that she caught up to him whatever and then i don't know if you caught this because i sure as shit didn't i had to have someone pointed out to me in comments that little silhouette moment of where it looks like their hands are about to hold where it makes the 86 did you notice that i didn't notice that in the quick moment of watching it I know I I read in the comments of something right then and there. Oh yeah, that was so cool. I'm like, oh, did it actually do that? It went back up. And, you you know, obviously didn't want because it literally it was it was quick. Well, no, it shows it. It literally fades into the 86 I know. logo. I know, but like I I didn't notice that their like the hand their hands was making the 86. Yeah. It was very fast, but I thought that was an awesome touch. I mean, the real nice touch of it all was like you're hitting the symbolism. I appreciate the actual fact that instead of that uh, each part ended with them saluting, meeting her, and her saluting, meeting them, and then it actually shows us the meeting through Fido again. Because yeah, they did yeah. that at the end of the first part, too, of ending stuff showing through Fido, and I appreciate sort of seeing Fido's stuff, or as you were saying, seeing where everyone was and where they've gone to and just getting that like nice little flashback through Fido of just seeing the imagery, background imagery of whatnot and everything, and through Fido really leading up to finally them meeting. Yeah. Also, shout out to the fact that <laughs> when the cat jumped out, literally everyone, they, they yelled out every, every name. name. <laughs> every damn one. I love that. Because they still can't decide on a freaking name for that cat. <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. That was a that, that was such a nice touch, bro. Uh, and, you know, coming into this episode, I meant to add an effect to the soundboard, but I, you know, I just didn't. I meant to add Shocker I Cried. That will be an effect for us. Because, bro, I'm not kidding. I've watched this scene so many times, and every single time I tear up, I start crying. Because it's such a good scene, bro. This, the music is top tier in this scene. Love the love the score in it. Yeah, and again, it's just, I can't sing enough praises. If you haven't watched 86, the love of God, go watch 86. It is incredible. Uh, anything else you want to t- uh, t- talk about with that, or you want to go ahead and hop over to our topic for the day? I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about 86. I have been enjoying, though, that all the Funimation catalogs been moved to Crunch. Well, not all, but most of the Crunchy. Yeah, it's working Over to Crunchyroll. And I was finally able to watch Season 2 of Megalobox. Nice, nice. Because Megalobox is a great series. But for whatever reason, the season two when it originally came out, I could only find it in Spanish, because an Weird. entire different team took over Megalobox season two, and like, even the titles for the series are all in Spanish. They're not in English or anything. That's weird. I mean, it is. I like the whole release for Megalobox Nomad was really odd because like, there was no real uh, advertising for it, even though Megalobox did well. And everything, it just sort of came out. And it was in uh, Spanish and uh, Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of like, okay. 
Well, well, that's what's up. I mean, I did notice where a lot of the catalogs were starting to move over. Not everything. I noticed there were some things that was part of, I guess, like the weekly re- release schedule that wasn't get moved over. Like Tribe Nine, I noticed didn't unless yeah. it, unless it has now. I'm yeah, not sure. No, anything that they had uh, contracted, I think before the actual merger, is still just on Funimation currently, which is okay. mostly just airing stuff. Which that should probably get moved over as well. Like going forward, like future contracts. Yeah, like, at some it point, should all just yeah. be Crunchyroll, I think. So. Uh, all right. Well, t- like I said, today's topic is well-written characters in anime manga webtoon. Uh, we're you know we're just going to kind of give our thoughts and some of our personal picks. That's all this really is. It's you know kind of giving what we think what what makes a good well-written character and giving shout-outs to well-written characters. Diving into a couple of them in a little bit of detail as well as just kind of giving shout-outs to stuff. Uh, so I guess let's start with. What we kind of have is like our guidelines, right? Like how how we consider what makes a well written character. I sent Zach over a list today of like four different things. I'll read through those uh, of what we kind of what in our opinion makes it makes this you know our guidelines, whatever. So the first one, of course, I feel like everyone can agree to this naturally is a character who has a backstory. Like what is their backstory? I think we've done a bonus cast on tragic backstories or great backstories at some point, did we not? Uh, something like that. It, it was. I, it, it was something. Yeah. Was, I know we did a tragic backstory, or was it I th- tragic? I backstory? think it was because gut, gut, guts was number one. Guts was in. The, well, I think it was the last one we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to say we did tragic backstories. Uh, so hang on, my phone went to sleep. Sorry. No, it wasn't tragic backstories. It was interesting backstories. It just. For whatever reason, most of the picks that you and Josh had were fucking tragic backstories. Okay, yes, that's true, cause because you had some lighthearted ones. Yes, I had good backstories, <laughs> which weren't, weren't freaking doom and gloom and like, oh my god, kill me, my parents are dead. <laughs> Alright, Batman, calm down. Uh, that's right, yeah, it was just top ten backstories or something, and me and Josh went very deep on the dark side. Uh, but yes, a character who has a backstory, you know, their family relationships, events that happened to the character's life prior to the main story, etc. Uh, the next one, which this one is a, a very big one and that is a character who has strengths and flaws like character who is very clearly flawed in some capacity they don't need to be like over the top flawed but have those flaws right because if you don't have those flaws a character becomes too too much in my opinion like 2d right like it's not a lot not a lot about them there uh consistency is another thing you know in terms of uh like whether if it's positive negative or you know just kind of a gray area about it just like how consistent are they with their words and actions and then lastly uh, having a personal goal that basically determines the arc of the story, which prompts the actions and the conflicts they encounter throughout the story. You know, that, that was kind of our guidelines that we both agreed upon of like what makes a well-written character. Uh, Zach, is there anything else that you would add on or do you think that kind of hits the nail on the head? What's your thoughts? I mean, those are some really sort of just base good uh, points to go with. Yeah. And me now realizing like the three characters I mentioned to you, they don't always match up with these <laughs> because because um, some of the characters I've chosen, they are very well-written characters, but their actual character building and whatnot is not necessarily told through them, their characters themselves, actually through their actions uh, interacting with the rest of the cast of characters. Right. So they're actually characters that their main focal point, but you actually get more from who they are and whatnot based on the reaction with the main cast of characters and other things. For instance, Kuro-sensei from Assassination Classroom. Yeah, yeah. You don't get his backstory in the series until, like, the last, within the last 30, 40 chapters. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other one I mentioned in there, which is another teacher character, funny enough, is 
Jinichiro Kagami, who's another teacher character in which at the point in time of the story we're seeing him, he's sort of at his peak. And we don't really, we hear references to his backstories and stuff, but don't actually get it till much towards the end of the series mm-hmm. and things like that. But I'll go into it once we go more into it. It's just, I saw, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, huh. It's all right. I sort of want to get our guidelines. <laughs> well, look, okay. Whenever I, whenever Zach and I was talking about what topic to do and we did the well-written characters, I asked him like one or two questions and then he, you know, we gave answers that I literally said, eh, fuck it. We're just going to wing it. <laughs> and that, okay. So that's what we're doing. We're here. We're winging it boys. Hey, we're just here to have a good time. It's going to be a good conversation. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, okay. So do you want to dive into maybe a couple of your characters that you mentioned? Cause I actually want to piggyback on what you're saying with like, let's say Koro sensei, where mm-hmm. it's like his backstory is very late in the game because like, uh, I feel like people may disagree with me on this. I feel like some people may be on board with me on this but one character that i do feel like once you find out the backstory you realize that they're actually a pretty decently written character is meliotis because his backstory i still think his backstory with elizabeth is in my opinion fucking terribly tragic like oh yeah i can't imagine having to watch people back to the tragic backstories yep back to this (laughs) getting back into it boys I, i can't imagine having to watch like you know, the woman you love, like, died. I forgot the number that the Elizabeth that we meet in that series. I forgot what number she is. She's, it's in the hundreds, I think. Yeah, it's a stupid yeah, high number. Yeah, where he's watched her die a hundred every whatever times, and she's going to find him and fall in love with him every time, no matter what. Like, the bro, like, once you find that out and you find out his goal finally, uh, you know, again, this is pretty late in the series of, like, he wants to break this curse. And, like, once you find that out and you're just like, Click, click, click. And you start piecing everything together of everything that's transpired. You're like, okay, shit, everything that he's done makes sense now. Like, I mean, and that's what becomes a well-written character for him, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But that, again, that's late in the game, kind of like what you're saying. So I wanted to piggyback on that. Well, like, Kuro Sensei from Assassination Classroom, he is a very well-written character in the form that at the start of the series, all we have is he's this octopus monster that's going to destroy the world. And for whatever reason, he's chosen this class of students who are the only ones he's going to allow to even attempt to kill him. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of just our base. And, that, and then we just run through the series of him teaching these kids, them trying to kill him and whatnot, and him just helping each of the students sort of come over their own flaws and whatnot. And it's sort of just a weird thing of where as you see him interacting with the kids and everything and the events happening around him, you just like the kids, the students and whatnot, you grow attached to Kuro Sensei and you no longer see him as this evil octopus teacher creature that you just want to kill. It's like it's a very enjoyable character going along with the shenanigans that was that series at time until finally you get his backstory and it just all it all clicks and makes sense why he's been doing all this mm-hmm. and just brings clarity to just tons of points that have been there. And makes so much more sense of he was a human experiment. Bad shit happened. Uh, I guess spoiler for anyone who for some reason hasn't read or watched Assassination Class. You know, I think you, I think you said that last time too when we were talking about Cora Sensei. <laughs> Whatever, it's it's been done. You're on your own. It, it's been done. I, I apologize <laughs> if I spoiled it, but it's out there. Yeah, you're on um, your own. And more or less, the only person who cared about him was the teacher, the students who somehow got dragged to watching over him and he gained some emotion for her. And when the experiment went wrong and she died, she only asked that one of her last wishes was to help these kids who are downtrodden 
And so he takes that as his goal because he, he was just an experiment. He didn't care for anything. For all he cared, people they could have killed him and nothing about him. But he grew attached to her and took up her goal as her dying wish and went, I'm going to help those kids. And takes over the classroom, does everything, leading up to the final chapters of real emotional scene of when the kids finally kill him. It's it's intense because you've now, I forget exactly how many chapters, seeing all this, finally seeing his backstory, gotten that click of why he's all doing it and just being, fuck. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to see him die now. <laughs> right, right. It's like, this is depressing as shit. I was just like, uh, and he's and he's more or less helped build all these characters along with sort of showing off his own case of character of just being well, really well done and everything. I was like, shit. And then building up our main kid of who takes up the torch of being a teacher at the end. Mm. He's a really short kid. And in the end, that goes to a school full of delinquents and puts them all in their place with his assassin techniques. Right. But yeah, no, Coral Sensei's a very well-written character in the terms of, uh, I guess, technically a support character, not as a main character. Because he is a main focal point, but he's not the main character. But he really helps shine light on all the students who take the main focus. Right. It, does that series, But I guess, besides, you know, Cora Sensei, does that series, like, have a main protagonist? Or is it just, like... Yes, there is... Because the, the main cast is the entire class. Yeah, yeah. But there is one specific student who sort of takes the protag role. Okay. I always just assumed it was kind of Cora Sensei. No, Cora Sensei's sort of the... He's just the most notable. He's the center... Yeah, okay, right. He's more or less a big center support character, and everyone else takes front roles with him just sort of shoving people in the way. Mm -hmm. But towards, like, the halfway mark is you sort of get a focus of a very specific student. Gotcha. Okay. Um, You know, I I don't want to dive too much into this because, I mean, I do, but I'll I'll pull it back a little bit. But, you know, one character that I do just want to kind of, like, give a shout-out to is, of course, Shin from 86. We just finished talking about 86 because he's a very well-written character from where the series started to where we are now with Mm -hmm. the end of this season, where the writing has been incredible, in my opinion, where it's, like, throughout all season one, very cold, very calculated, finally succeeds in, like, killing his brother, kind of starts, you know, has that emotional breakdown where it's like starts to let things go very literally the beginning of season two we start to see him be a little bit more open as well as the end of season one actually yeah the end of season one as well yeah we start to see that as well um and we just start to see him be different you know where there's like messing with frederica's hair or whatever but he's still he's still in a way like very just kind of cold but not as much as before to where the you know this season comes to a close where he's almost like flipped a switch i mean and and everything that has happened at this point it's all very you know understandable where he's gotten to because how he became how he became mm-hmm. and you know, his writing from where it is now uh, from where it was to now, I think it's been phenomenal. So just want to give a shout out there. Don't want to dive a lot into it. Cause we already sing a lot of 86 praise as it is. And we just finished like 20 minutes of 86 praise. So um, now I'm just going to give like some quick shout outs here to um, multiple characters. Cause I don't want to dive into them because of how popular the series is. And that's of course, Naruto. Naruto has a lot of great characters that are real, well, you know, well-written, but I don't want to like dive into them. Right. You know, because you know, it's, it's one of the biggest shows in the world. So let's, let's 
spend some time focusing on some other series, right? But of course, like obviously Obito, like Pain, Naruto himself, Kakashi, Itachi, Sasuke, all very well written characters for different reasons. Um, but one that I do want to dive into a little bit more, and I and I want you know you to kind of piggyback with me on this, is going to be John from Unordinary. Again, I just wanted to shout out Naruto because it's a great series, lots of well written characters. <laughs> no way, I thought it was going. <laughs> I know, I know. I just wanted to shout him out. You know, because, look, it's Naruto. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people listening to the show, like, I named those characters. They'll probably be like, oh, yep, uh, yep, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's like, you know, what, what do we need to say? Just continue to sing praise on what we've probably already talked about before in a couple of these characters. Why have they not done this with Boruto? Yeah, I know. It's like, where, where's this anime... <laughs> It's like it's like it's like those people. It's like, oh man, Boruto's dad seems cool. Can we get an anime about him and, and his past adventures? Uh, Let me show you four hundred episodes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but no, I do want to dive into John, uh, our main character from uh, Unordinary, uh, because like his writing, as we have talked about before, when this in the season one was going on. Um, it's understandable how he became how he became, right? And yes. it was it's actually funny because that was kind of referenced in this latest yeah, chapter. Yeah, I enjoyed this chapter. Blake yeah. calling him out on that shit. Yeah, he's like, what's your fucking problem, Do dude? Do you ever get tired of just flip-flopping <laughs> back and forth? Yeah, because at one point you're fine with everyone beating your ass, and then you become the Joker and starts beating everyone else's ass, and now you're back to getting letting people beat your ass. Like, what's your problem, man? <laughs> and, you know, when the series starts, like, you do actually, you know, believe that he doesn't have a power you know yeah. you're under the impression right at the very least so when you have that reveal that he does and he's broken as fuck and you start to dive into more of why he doesn't want to use his power where he is like lost control and there's all the like the royals and stuff that are, he just hates them all mm -hmm. and that's what helped him now become Joker where he just wants to beat the hell out of every role because he thinks they're all scum and whatever. And you see more on his past. And even when he was King and he was essentially a Royal, like he gets it and he hates that you understand why he want, was completely fine with getting his shit wrecked every day, pretending to be powerless. Uh, you know, what's your thoughts on John and how he was, how, how he's been written throughout the series and especially where he is now, because like where he is now is very fascinating with the character that we're currently dealing with. Yes. I mean, his whole story was really well done of just starting off with, as you were saying, being this sort of on the bottom of the barrel to the reveal of he's actually very strong, sort of seeing him fall into that pit of anger and paranoia leading to him more or less burning all the bridges around him, even when people tried to reach out, he still just went, oh, excuse me, dang. Uh, they're against me and all that fun stuff, leading to the whole school takeover, him becoming king, safe house, all that fun stuff, and finally getting through this arc of his paranoia, getting to our end fight with him and Seraphine. Great which, fight. Which broke through finally leading us to a small sort of a realization redemption into what our current John is of trying to come to grips of a balance of using his power, but not falling into his abyss of, of violence again. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I, I can I can agree to that, bro. Because like that that's been the biggest thing that's been fascinating with this current arc is him having those quick moments of where he almost falls back into it. Like he did a chapter ago. Yeah. Where he beat the shit out of you know those guys who needed their shit wrecked. Let me stress that. They did. Okay. They they needed to get their shit wrecked. But yeah, the, the, same- sto- the story's already made it very pl- prevalent that anyone who's a royal is pretty much a prick. Yeah. Because of how massive the, asshole. Because of how the series uh universe is. The Wellington students are the oddballs in all this. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, already kind of dived a little bit into it last chapter and him, you know, having that realization, he's like, fuck, I lost control again. Because he did. He, he legit almost lost control before Arlo comes in and kind of like chills him out, whatever. But then even still in this latest chapter where he's still like coming to grips with everything where it's like Arlo and Seraphine backed him up you know to get him into the safe house and stuff so like everything involving his character and how it's been written in my opinion has been you know very entertaining to watch from again i do feel like there were a couple moments uh during like the big anger boy arc where it's like i felt like it drug a little bit you know yeah, yeah. i mean and another sort of big thing that the series has shown to sort of so uh john's character growth was from the beginnings where his only friend really was seraphine yeah yeah because he more or less bullied his way into her life. <laughs> True. And, With uh, the kitchen thing. <laughs> yeah. And pretty much everyone just sort of saw John as a punch bag. No one bothered helping him or whatnot. Even the people that he did try and help, they didn't take any notice of him. They were just like, he's powerless. Let's go and let him take the beating. To him beating everyone and everyone starting to fear him. To now at this point, we have not just Arlo and Seraphim, but we have that one blonde kid who is now like a John supporter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so funny, dude. It was at the end of this. It was the end of this chapter when John and Blake and them come back and like the, where where they're eating and this that little blonde kid was just like hyping up this fight. It's like, oh yeah, Blake did this and then John did this and it was so cool. And I, it's just like, all right, damn, he's got a fanboy. And then some idiot tried to do something to John and then he went. <laughs> hey, at least John's got one supporter. Shut up, phone. Uh, at least John's got one fanboy. So shout out to that. Shout out to that. Uh, another webtoon one is actually a couple. I was curious your thoughts on and how you feel like they're how well written they are because I feel like they're especially the art, the main character of course is very well well written as you like continue to find out more about like his past and stuff and what really and what especially transpired between these two characters. Uh, another um, you know webtoon pair here, Rai and Mizuka from uh, Noblesse. What's your thoughts on them and how well they're written? Because I personally feel like Rai is written pretty well. As you continue, even though he seems very obviously quiet, you know, kind of, you know, doesn't, you know, interact a lot, but at the same time he wants to. But, like, as you find out, like, who he is, his role in this entire thing, and him living completely alone, plus having the friendship that was developed between them, I think, like, once you start to connect the dots and, like, all that kind of gets revealed, I feel like it's very fascinating writing. Shin Wu is still the best written character. He got shafted. I, look, I love Shin Wu, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a, the, one of the biggest Shin Wu supporters, and I'm so upset this man got shafted. Like, look, I understand. Listen, listen. I understand that Rai wants to protect these kids and make sure nothing happens to them. But Rai, you could have let Shin Wu get experimented on. I'm just saying, it would have been fine for the story. We would have loved it as readers. Just uh, saying. But no, I, the actual Rai and um, Marika, uh I mean, both of their characters were done very well, especially Rai. I mean, it was sort of weird. Nobody sort of had that focus on the kids at first until. We had whatever switch was to Rye and just the eventual reveal of his backstory 
leading to all the shenanigans on the vampire island and uh, the ascendancy or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was called now. So dealing with all that, leading and getting to know Rye based on his backstory and how he interacts with everyone and the weird ending of Nobly Season 1, um, leading to eventually the war with the werewolves. And yeah, getting yeah. That whole backstory of, well, we're enemies now, but we were friends, so now we're enemies, and we're going to kill each other, but once we fought, we're going to be frenemies again, and then we're going to go and whoop <laughs> someone else's ass because f- frenemies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just the whole reveal, I mean, as you said, as we progressed and learned more of each of their stories, and which, now that I think about it, was sort of odd, and would just... It was revealed as needed and not before needed, but hey. Um, mm. They even became more enjoyable characters, well-written, fleshed out more, made their choices and actual actions very much more... Makes, makes, make, it helps it make sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of where it was just like, that's sort of odd to, okay, I sort of get now why they were doing this and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. To giving our overall oddness, that was the cast. True. Um why don't you dive into your teacher character that you wanted to chat about? Oh, yes. Uh, so the other teacher. Yeah, character. the other teacher <laughs> character from the Ultimate Otaku Teacher Series. Shout out. Jinricho uh, Kagami, who sort of like Kuro Sensei, at the point of time of seeing him in the beginning of the series, is he's sort of at his peak form. But his sort of flaw is that because he's the super genius that came up with this uh, theory of a possible dimension door that could be a reality, but the time's technology was just not capable of it. And then once he found that out, he sort of just became a recluse writing his uh, otaku... uh, What was it? It was about... uh, Animes. He ran an anime blog, which his constant goal was to be the number one blog. <laughs> and he had disease of he couldn't do anything unless he wanted to, which led to him always dragging his feet as a teacher and leading to the weird scenarios that was the series. And his whole thing is he only, his flaw was that he would not do anything unless it interested him. And the sort of interesting thing that came to him was more or less hoping these kids move along to be able to choose their own paths to not just follow what other peoples are telling them to do and everything, leading to each of his encounters with the kids, uh, sort of showing them their what else they could do besides whatever they were doing, giving them confidence to what they were doing, eventually leading to the weird upper school, which was a bunch of just very, um, I can't think of the word of it, but personality-based characters. Mm-hmm. And... More or less, he, he's doing all this, trying to show off this way of teaching everyone to just... You can pick your own past. You don't have to follow what everyone else is saying. And um, as what was his reference? He, he literally relates it to he's acquiring party members <laughs> as he teaches each of these kids. He teaches them a new way of thinking of... I'm just acquiring party members. Like he literally calls one person Robo Man. <laughs> he, there's the May. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so eventually, the one of the the final arc of him 
sort of revealing his backstory of just like he was in high school. He wanted to make a dimension door to go back in time and to do this. He learned physics and everything to became the top person like physics and quantum space theory and anything within like a couple years to an insane level. And just finding out that the reason why he didn't do this was there was a girl he met in the hospital who was dying and she sort of helped bring him out of a bad time and whatnot. And her unfortunate passing hurt him so bad, which led to him going into this phase of trying to find a way of bringing her back, which he was, her and him were big manga fans and whatnot and read Doran Doran and there's the Doran door. And he's just like, what if I can make that? Which leads to him into his whole escapades of, becoming the best in quantum physics and everything. But, I mean, his overall character was written very well and shown mostly through his actions of teaching the kids and everything leading up to um, the reveal of his backstory and uh, the reason why he became such a genius himself and sort of making sense of why he was showing them that you don't have to follow the path that everyone else wants you to go. I mean, very enjoyable series. I always suggest to people, but... just another character that really shines through his interactions with other characters and eventual reveal of his past. Okay, okay. And what's the name of that series again? Uh, the Ultimate Otaku Teacher. Okay. I, I think, have you talked to me about that one before? Maybe. Okay, well. There's no telling. Yeah, that's true. You talked to me about a lot of stuff. Um, what what else did you have on your list? Because, I mean, I, you know, I've got a couple more that I want to give shout-outs to. Um and me all, but after that, you know, I'm gonna unfortunately go on my Hitman Reborn fangirling for a couple characters. So I'm trying to like not have you um, suffer through that just yet. <laughs> as much as I hate the series, I gotta admit, Pop is actually very well written in Dragon Quest. This is not where I expected this to go. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I hate that hate on that series, Pop is actually fairly it's probably the most interesting written character to me of that series of just just because you have all your stable characters. You have Dai the hero who's always going to succeed regardless of whether he falls down or whatnot. Hunkul's your edgelord badass where regardless, once he leaves the dark side, he's always for the good side and he'll always be a badass in some way or fashion, be a heartthrob with his armor broken off. Um, the only interesting thing about Man was the bullshit of her trying to be a cleric when she was really a monk. Um... Yeah, there was a whole rant on that when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to low-key miss the Dragon Quest rants. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. At the same time, I'm ready for a new a new page to be turned for Animan Plus. Because, again, for anyone new to this show, we've basically been reviewing Dragon Quest since episode three of Animan Plus, and here we are at 67. I'm sorry, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's dragging itself out with Toei not putting anything out. That's true. That's true. Since with, because of the Toei hack. Because we're literally on the final hacks, but yeah. Um, but Pop's overall story of just being a general coward of just he was trying to escape his normality life by following Avon and becoming a mage and everything, leading to Avon Avon's passing and him trying to come to terms of. Is he a full student of Avon mm-hmm. and everything? What is he good for? His powers as he slowly comes into realizing that he is an actual powerful mage. Because I've said, if you throughout, it's like, 
Pot was low-key the strongest mage with just the bullshit of him just going, oh, that's a magic spell. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Even though he's constantly had down on himself about his own insecurities just because versus all the other characters who have actually very interesting backgrounds, Pop is literally just a kid of some blacksmith. And he just chose to follow Avon to get away from his normality and become a mage. And just him always being stuck amongst all these people with Ma'am, who's the daughter of two of uh, the people part of the previous hero Avon's party. Die being some child who's actually a dragon kid born of a... I forget what they're called now. His father and a mother being part dragon kin, being the new hero. Hunkul being an edgelord who was raised by a skeleton soldier. <laughs> Crocodile. He's a fucking crocodile. <laughs> um, the one that looks like a gangster or whatever. Is that Crocodile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how you originally <laughs> described him to me. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, the princess, she's a freaking princess of a kingdom. Right. Uh, he's just some blacksmith kid who's like, I can use magic. <laughs> and him constantly coming down on himself is just like, how can I compare to him? It's like, as much as I hate on him for that, it sort of makes sense. Because like, it as a regular person seeing all this around, and you're not going to go, yeah, I can match up. They're going to be, they're going to go, oh shit, what am I here for? <laughs> right. And just sort of that initial of hating on Pop because he's a coward eventually leading to him having his courage to do the weirdness that he did of trying to be a man um, to eventually where we are now of him just constantly psyching himself up through seeing other people's to, I can't stand alongside everyone. Um, I am actually very powerful to him coming into his own. It's like, I don't need to be the same, be honest, uh, as have a big background or strong as them. I'm going to be a prick. I'm a, deceive people and I got magic <laughs> and him finally realizing that at least I hope so at this point of him <laughs> going I can be by everyone else and I'm going to help him still fuck pop though fuck pop and fuck <laughs> dragon quest <laughs> once Toei comes back and then you're, you're one step closer to being done how many episodes do you think it has left? We're literally finishing up like the third fight with Hadlar because he still ha he should have died like four times in this series. That's right, you said that. He please been pulling a mocker off. Got it. <laughs> and we're on what I assume is going to be our eventual. Well, the fight with him is fine, and now we're at the point where Hadlar is going to be like, "I'm satisfied, die with our fight. I'm now going to sacrifice myself to save you and Pop." Um, because that's literally what's going to happen. I mm -hmm. guarantee it. Right. Right. Um. And then we have to go through the whole fact that they still had to fight King Varn, still have to deal with Kilvern, who's still a guard. So there's still at least two fights there. Um, so I don't know, maybe 15 episodes. You're so close. You're so close. <laughs> I, to I can hope for 15. Yeah. Because we got to deal with the Kilvern stuff. Then King Vern, he's going to kick the shit out of them. Then mm. they're going to have a. Oh, we're the heroes. Let's hype ourselves up moment of turn the tables, fight King Vern, leading to the second or third part of the fight. Second part, then it's a matter of whether King Vern comes back. It's like, well, I have another trump card. Well, I'm going to match your trump card. The final fight, then a whole finishing thing of everything. 
So maybe 20 episodes. Let me ask you, are you at the point of Dragon Quest right now where it's like you know the end's in sight? Are you at the same point emotionally like how I was towards Seven Deadly Sins? No, I I think I'm better off. Okay, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I was suffering. (laughs) I love the Seven Deadly Sins manga, but Jesus Christ, finishing that anime was, was torture. Because I already see where the rails are going. I, yeah, just Because yeah. I've mentioned this this series is hard tropey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. <laughs> so I see where this is going. <laughs> I'm just on rails now. I'm just. Oh, well, all right. Let's get let's get this over <laughs> with, I guess. Uh, a couple characters I do want to give a shout out to. And there's one that I want to shout out that I'm not going to necessarily say is a well-written character. I must say it's an, an effectively written character for what, what for what it was going for, right? So, in, in a sense, a well-written character. And the reason I'm going to shout this one out, because I recently saw some comments from the creator of this series on this character that I thought was, was so funny, especially with the person who shared these comments with the picture that, again, made this hilarious to me. But I'm going to shout out Dingy from Chainsaw Man. And the reason why is because recently Fujimoto had, had had some interview talking about Dingy and, like, talking about writing him and writing other characters and, you know, versus, like, what other characters we see in the industry. Yeah. And, like, one thing that he was talking about is, you know, he thinks it's fu- he thinks it's cool that like teenagers whatever just want to chill. You know what I mean? Like just chill, play video games, mm-hmm. like not like be like have to you know really push to do everything. You know, like really strive to be the best. Like yo, it's fine to chill and not be the best. So he w- wanted to write Dingy in a way that was really relatable, where with Dingy's goals, which we've joked about before, and the picture that someone shared is the one where Dingy's, like, hitting the ground. He's like, I just want to touch boobs. So I thought that was really funny <laughs> because it's just like, I just want to make a character that's really relatable and feel very real. He just wants to smash. That's all he wants. So I'm not, again, I'm not going to say a well-written character. I'm going to say an effectively written character for what he was going for. But another well-written character that I will shout out, of course, is Light Yagami from Death Note because that's one of the better written characters out there i mean and they're they i'm not gonna say it's the best like i know some of the best that a lot of people would like to pitch is guts i know one that a lot of people will throw out there is a very well-written character uh, from what i know of berserk i would agree as well as there's like one villain from berserk that i know a lot of people really talk about as a very well-written villain in the anime manga world but yeah light is one of the the better written characters out there where all of his goals you know as the series progress it's like all of his actions you know, they make sense for what he is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Why did my phone randomly restart? Okay. I don't know. I was using Your that. Your phone's freaking out this episode, man. I don't know. Oh, apparently it's doing an update without my permission. So that's cool. He gave you a chance. The pop dad said we're restarting in like 15 seconds. <laughs> I didn't see it. Uh, but yeah, no, Light's a pretty solidly written character. Um, but I do have some characters that I do want to talk about. From Hitman Reborn, of course, because it wouldn't be one of these lists. I'm going to just do this. Thank you. (laughs) It wouldn't be one of these lists without me talking about Hitman Reborn. Now, now let me say this. Like, it's my favorite series of all time, yes. But I'm not going to sit here and, like, like, hype it up as, like, they have, like, the best written characters in history. Because they don't. I'll say that up front. I, I know they don't. I just do think they have some uh, some some interesting writing with some of the characters. Uh, naturally, Suna, you know, people, all, all, you know, in any series, when you're talking re- well-written characters, you're going to want to default to the protagonist. I mean, for multiple reasons. You know, Suna obviously has strengths, uh, you know, of really caring for his friends and doing wanting 
and willing to go a further and beyond for his friends and put himself in situations that he doesn't want to be in for his friends. Like, you know, those strengths there of just being very loyal and loving the people around him. And then, of course, you, you see his flaws. I mean, literally, when the series starts, he's known as no good sooner. Like, you see the flaws, you know what I mean? Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about Gokadera, the Storm Guardian, uh, because I think there's a lot of interesting writing behind Gokadera, and I feel, feel like he's one of the better written characters in that particular series. Because, like, you know, he has these strengths of being, like, one, being a strong character, you know, and he's, you know, talked about as a strong mid, mid-range fighter, so he has strengths in terms of his general strength, as well as just being, like, fiercely loyal, un, you know, unbelievably intelligent. The dude is so insanely smart. You know, very talented in other ways where it actually talked, you know, kind of touched on with his backstory where, you know, he was very skilled at the piano, but he left that behind. He left behind the chance to be a pianist, whatever, and end up joining the mafia, et cetera, et cetera. But then, you know, he has these other flaws where it's just like he he's super hot-headed, right? You know, he's mm-hmm. super hot-headed. Um, and, you know, one of the major flaws that you see addressed in the Battle of the Rings arc is he didn't see his own life, Right. He saw his life as essentially nothing, which is why uh, Shamala would basically like not train him anymore. Is because you know he hurt himself playing with dynamite, you know, you training with dynamite, and he's just like you know, ah, you don't see it, you don't see the problem. And then you know when he's again doing training later, and he like falls into a hole. Which how is he not dead? I don't know, but he, you yeah, know, it's, it's anime. Yeah, it's anime. Uh, you know, he falls into a hole, dynamite explodes everywhere, and then oh hey, soon his dad just happens to be in the hole with him. You know, and basically just kind of gives him the lesson that you need to see your own life, uh, which then he starts to see his own life, and then almost forgets it again in the Battle of the Ring fight for the Storm Ring, where. He had the ring, right? Like he, you know, he, he had the ring. He, I think, uh, I think that the, the Varia Guardian, I think his name is uh, Bell. I think I could be wrong, uh, but you know, he had Bell beat. He had the other half of the ring. All he had to do was get out. But you know, Bell's being a little bitch, whatever. You know, and you know, all the shit's about to explode at the end of the yep. the end of the thing. And Suna basically convinced him, like, "Hey, don't sacrifice yourself for this." So Gokadera, even though he was dead ass determined to win this and get that ring before the boss, you know, because he's hyper loyal, he actually willingly lost the fight just to survive and you know get back to his friends because you know he ended it with lines like, "I want to see the fireworks again." Because that was like an earlier chapter and episode, yeah. whatever. You know, so just like you know that writing of where he goes from not seeing his life to seeing his life, and you know, in terms of him being like hot headed. Like that impacts a lot of different things in like just normal day to day life with Suna, right? Like we see that all the time. And there's one particular episode that I I, I genuinely love these episodes, even though a lot of people don't like them because one because they're filler, but also people just didn't like them. I love the inheritance arc in the anime, uh, where I'll, I'll focus on the first generation guardians. Gotcha. I loved that arc. There was a lot of things about that arc that I thought was so cool. The uh, the stuff with the rain guardian that was great because obviously Yamato was very different. Why you know it kind of detail why he fell but Gokadera's was very fascinating because for that entire episode you know Gokadera was distracted the whole time it was all obviously a big ploy by G the first uh, Storm Guardian and G you know transformed himself as Gokadera and worked with Suna all day and was like super fucking helpful right mm-hmm. helped him with his his homework and explained it in a way where Suna could understand it did this did that a bunch of people came up so oh yeah you're Gokadera well, we fucking hate you because you beat up our boss you know then you know G beat the shit out of all of them and then here comes Gokadera and G basically talked as soon as like how was my performance today and he's like oh yeah you were really helpful you were really reliable blah blah and then G's like yeah different from normal right just like that 
gunshot of like, oh yeah, you suck basically. And then basically, you know, just kind of details more of just like your hot headedness created this mess that I just cleaned up because these guys wanted to come fight you. You're too hot headed for this and this and this and whatever. And then, you know, the, what he was trying to test in the situation was their bond because at first he was like, I'm not accepting you. And then, you know, Suno fought against that, whatever. So just like all of those points of, you know, Gokadera slowly changing throughout the series. And like, it is teased that he does ultimately overall change because in the fight with, um, with Gamma in the future, mm -hmm. Gamma does say that Gokudera did become like the right hand man of the Mongola, super strong, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, Gokudera achieves his his goal. And another thing involving all of that that I also want to shout out and be my last shout out for Gokudera here that I, I really one of my favorite moments in the series is it, this is in the manga only uh, in the uh, Simone family arc where he was fighting Shitty P. Yep. And um, you know, throughout this whole series, dude, like even though Suna like. Yeah, he's very strong when he when he gets in hyper dying wheel mode, obviously, and very reliable. But other than that, Suna's kind of a giant klutz. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's a giant failure. Let's be real. <laughs> I was going to say his character from the first chapter doesn't change yeah, unless no, he's in hyper exactly hyper mode. So like, but with that being the case, throughout the whole series, Gokudera has like put Suna up on a fucking pedestal, right? Where Suna is just like the greatest thing ever, you know. And he wouldn't. He's not going to hear otherwise. You know what I mean? Uh, so when it comes to that fight, you know, Shitty P starts like shouting out like. All of the problems with Suna. This, this, this. And it was funny. Where Suna's just like, how did you even get my test results? You know, you're just like, shouting out everything that's wrong with him. And Gokudera not saying a word. Uh, and then Suna's just like, oh, man, Gokudera probably fucking hates me now or whatever. And, and Gokudera's like, are you done? It's just like, and then he, he finally admits at that point in the series that he acknowledges that he knows all of that. Like, he knows Suna's a giant failure. But there are the other aspects of Suna that is what makes him fiercely loyal to him and why he, while he will remain loyal to him. So it's just like, you know, you know, from the loyalty aspect that's created in like episode two or whatever. And then as you kind of figure out more things about, you know, why he may have gotten like hot headed and why he's gotten to the point that he has like with his family, where his mother just kind of that whole situation transpired yeah. where, you know, you get the letters from Bianca, whatever, where it's just like his mother did not want to marry his father. He always blamed his father for the whole thing, but really his mother was sick. You find out all this stuff with his backstory where it's like his general attitude, his general character starts to make a lot of sense, right? And then also just how he's being written where he starts to see his own life. And, you know, he's not actually as oblivious you know, as it kind of seems where he thinks Suna's so amazing, where he acknowledges Suna, yeah, Suna kind of sucks, but Suna's a really cool dude. That's why I like him. Yeah, I, I think his writing is very cool, personally. I'm not going to say he's, like, the most well-written character in the fucking world. Like, none of these characters up here or any other ones, like, none of them are, like, I wouldn't put them in the top ten. I really wouldn't. I just really think they're well-written, as uh, well as uh, Inma, uh, the the boss of the Simone family, uh, the Simone family that you meet in that manga arc. I feel like... Everything with those characters are very, very well written because of how Damon Spade basically fucked everything with history, right? Yes. And made it where that family was like bottom of the bottom of the bottom and made it seem like the Von Gola is the one that fucked them over. So that whole writing of that care of those characters, I thought was very well done. Uh, I feel like Mark uh, Rowe is very well written, you know, because all of his actions make so much sense. Oh. Yeah. Like, so much sense because of what happened to him and, like, his friends and where he was experimented on as a kid, whatever. Everything makes sense. Like, there's a couple of aspects about him that don't make 
perfect sense to his character because you know he he dresses it up as like let's say him joining the Mongol. He dresses up. He wants to steal Suna's body. Which is that a fact? Yeah, probably. But then then as time goes on, it's just like is that still a fact though? Do you actually like Suna? Do you think Suna's cool? Like you know like there there's moments where it's just like is that the case? Because even it's kind of hinted with the Battle of the Rings arc where when Murkrow finished up the fight and he was disappearing, he's like I'm gonna still steal your body. You know ah, I'm gonna get you. You know and he goes away. Suna has that moment of like his you know intuition which is like. Like, no, I think there's something more here, isn't there? You actually like me, don't you? You know, it had that kind of tease. The whole thing with Mercuro's character also was sort of interesting because in his writing, he he sort of is the embodiment of Mist because we, yeah. all, all for all throughout the series, there's always reference to Mercuro because yep. there's this weird thing of Mer- in the Mist Guardians, Mercuro and Chrome. But Love Chrome. Mercuro's whole character is pretty much a miss because we don't actually get a whole lot for Mercuro yep. after that initial first battle arc with him. And then the rest is like, here's my goons. Here's Chrome, this random girl I picked up. Take care of her. I'll show up here and there when I'm needed. Yeah. And as far as we're aware, he's in a vat chained up. <laughs> yes, that's somewhere. where he's at the whole time until sometime in the manga. Pretty much for the entire series. Yeah, like li- yeah, I, literally the whole... I think he finally gets let out... I think it's after he beats Damon, helps beat Damon Spade. Yeah, literally, it's like the yeah, because he took his body. That's yeah, right. Yeah, because it's literally within the last couple chapters where it's finally like, I'm free. Like, hey guys, <laughs> and you're just sort of just like, at that time, I'm sort of just like, all right, cool, Mercuro. I want more Chrome. <laughs> I love Chrome. Chrome's great. Chrome is great. Yeah, because it was the final arc. Yeah. Whenever he got out, because of the, if I, I, that's right, because uh, he basically like disowned Chrome. There was those few chapters where Chrome got disowned. Yeah, yeah. His, his whole ending, Murkrow, was really weird, yeah. which made his character slightly inconsistent. But again, he embodied, his character is literally the embodiment of Mist. Just, he's there. You know he's there the entire story. Yep. But he just comes and goes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the last character I'll mention for, you know, my fangirling here, because there are certain aspects about him that I think's very well done, and it's especially because of, like, the, some of the stuff in the future arc, is uh, Zanzas. Uh, I actually really enjoy Zanzas' writing. Um, you know, I may I know a lot of people love Zanzas. I might be on an island thinking that he's, you know, very well written. I don't know. Um, but I, I like how he's written, because, like, there's so much about his character that just makes so much sense, as you find it out, where, you know, he thinks that he's destined for greatness, right, at, at first. You know, he thinks he's destined for greatness because he has this rare flame, you know, that he has the flame of wrath, as it's explained later in the future arc, which is the mix of the sky and the storm flames, uh, which the second boss had. You know, he was under this belief for X amount of time that he was actually the son of the ninth boss. You know, there was the, the backstory you find out where that's not the case, but he fully believed that he was set for greatness. And like, even though like he comes to that point, by the time you get introduced to him, he already knows the truth, right? Like this is not something he finds out. He already knows he's not actually the son. As you, as you find out later, once you get more details of the Vario's attempted coup, whatever, mm-hmm. like you find it out then. But like, you know, even though that's the case, the dude is still like fiercely loyal to the Vongola, right? He's still like in his own asshole way. And he's still fiercely loyal to the ninth because that's also described in the future arc where Suna is the 10th. You know, you know, while it's, you know, past soon in the future, like the future Suna is the 10th, but the Varya 
only answers to the knife. <laughs> like, like it's still a thing. Like, he's fiercely loyal to the Von Gold, but like, you know, while he's, he is fiercely loyal to the Von Gold because of like the rags, you know, it's like a rags to riches story, right? You know, because the ninth boss basically adopted him, you know, he went from rags to riches. He's fiercely loyal to the Von Gola in his own asshole way because, and that's further, de- you know, described in that future arc with one of, in my opinion, the most badass lines in the series where whenever he's fighting, I think it's Bell's older brother, uh, who's like the Mar Storm Guardian, uh, the fake Mar Ring, I think, whatever, in that little in that little section where Zondas is just chilling on his chair, blows up the roof of the building. Yeah, yeah. he starts, like, you know, basically trashing the the current Von Gola and the current head and stuff like that. And Zandis, again, he trashes Suna because he's not a Suna fan. Suna beat him, of course. Uh, You know, but even though that's the case, he did say that, you know, taking out of, like, our internal conflicts, when someone from the outside attacks the Von Gola, we as the Von Gola stand as one to eliminate any scum that attacks us. Basically nodding that... He is on Suna's side in this because the Von Gola as a whole is being attacked. So because of stuff like that, I think his character is unbelievably well written in a way, and it's also even dived in more with the fu- with the uh, the future arcs that future. Sorry, I shouldn't say that since there is a future arc, the later arcs uh, that didn't never got animated, where Suna actually managed to convince Zanzis as well as other former villains and other characters to basically assist him in one massive plan. You know what I mean? So I actually really like. Sanders' writing mostly because if it wasn't for that line in the future arc I wouldn't as be as hyped about it but that line of where he again basically acknowledges Suna where it's like hey you know while we have our differences and I don't fucking like you we're still both the Von Gola. So, like, all of his actions, they make sense as, you know, especially when you find out his story where he is just fiercely loyal to the Von Gola to a fault. You know how I describe Zanzas? Huh? He's mobster like uh, Laxus. Bro, that's true. <laughs> it literally is. Those are the exact same character. Yeah. Mobster Loxes. I like that. That's fair. That's fair. All right. I'll get off my fangirl train now. I had my Hitman Reborn time. So, uh, did you have some other characters that you wanted to shout out? Um, I mean, a character that I enjoy who's well written in just character development is Eins from Overlord. Okay. Because through. The novels and the three seasons we have, and shout out to season four coming out this year, um, we slowly see Ainz going from just some uh, office worker who got stuck in his OP skeleton mage body whenever the servers of this MO got shut down, slowly see him go from a human in this skeleton mage's body, slowly seeing it turn into his mindset changing to that thoughts of this all-powerful undead mage throughout these three seasons of him going from, maybe we shouldn't, going from just trying to protect the home base, him and his guild mate, to slowly expanding to just overall taking over and just being a maniacal mage. It just, all this is is fine as long as it protects us from originally just staying in their spot, Initially going out, just testing the waters to outright forming alliances with other countries and destroying whole groups of people mm-hmm. like it's nothing. <laughs> and more or less casting fear to everyone that is. And just so, slowly seeing that mental change in his character of just going from originally being, well, we should be cautious not try to hurt humans to just straight 
it's us against everything else. Mm. Doesn't matter who they are. If they're against us, they're dead. Hmm. Pretty solid there. Um, I don't think I have anything else character wise. I mean, because I, I mean, technically, I guess we could. But you know, again, it's just like shouting out characters that everyone you know that you know that's just super notable characters. But I don't see the point in that. Um, so I mean, I, I feel I feel like I've kind of hit all the points that I personally wanted to hit. I mean, did you have any others, or is that the just the last one? I mean, that's just the one. Okay. That I want to mention. I mean, none of your romance characters. All right, listen. That, that, that needs to be a whole separate <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, I did going into this. I did think about a lot of them. I did. I did a lot, and I'm just like uh, I'm gonna pull back from that one today because I could go. That's a whole rabbit hole I could jump down. <laughs> There is a lot that I could jump down with that one. Uh, I mean, one more I'd like to reference, which I've referenced it before. Uh, actually, I think in our bonus cast of uh, backstories is uh, I literally just blinked on the name. Weak Hero. Oh, Gray. Gray. I thought about Gray earlier, too, when I was talking about John and stuff. Just because he's a well-written character of just learning why he's so adamant about dealing with bullies as he is yeah. just seeing his development of sort of having that sort of still sort of fear of dealing with him to his eventual character of just come fight me. Yeah. And just him slowly becoming a mob boss. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. And even now he still has the fear, right? He still yeah. does like that. And that's, what's interesting about him is that he's still afraid to deal with this stuff. But at the same time, he's not letting the fear hold him back. And so another character is actually very well written, even though we actually haven't gotten a whole lot from until this new season, is Donald Naw. I know, bro, Donald. <laughs> Donald's whole story has been so phenomenal. Just It's been shown through the telling of other characters. We haven't actually seen his actions until these most recent chapters within like the past couple months of just yeah, yeah. how he works and whatnot. It's always just been others telling of just... Don't mess with Donald. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck with Donald. Leave him alone. <laughs> and just finally actually seeing it with the confrontation with uh, Young, uh, I'd actually see the name to be able to say it yeah. properly, the other organization, just him going through that whole fight <laughs> sequence with that guy <laughs> to eventually just have get to an agreement and have the guy show face where he straight cuts his own head. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> Uh, Gerard's also very good there too because his yes. backstory was incredible. Loved those chapters of, of Gerard's story. Yes. Uh, Go Go's good as well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that shit, dude, that webtoon has a lot of great written characters, honestly. Um, no, my romance ones, they do have a lot. You know, I mean, true beauty, like every character is very, is very well written in different ways, especially our, obviously, our protagonist. She's very well written. Um, Sam from Let's Play. Uh, I also like, I love Marshall's uh, writing as well. Um, Marshall Law. I love his writing because, like, the end of season one. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say Marshall Law? Yeah. Are you shitting me right now? No. Do, that, you, do you get that reference name at all? No. Okay. I don't know if it is an actual reference name, but Marshall Law is a Tekken fighter. Is it? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I want to say it's Martial Law. Yeah, because that's like his online persona. That's not his real name. Uh, that's just his So online. it is a reference to Tekken Fire. That's his online name. It probably is, yeah. I mean, that's just his stream name. 
Martial law. Well, now I can never unsee free and martial law trying to pick someone <laughs> up now. God damn it. Uh, but no, his writing is 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 awesome because like diving into it, whatever. It's just like as the series progress, you you get like these little like what I love so much about Let's Play is like I love like the little where you get to basically see the inside of a person in terms of like how they're thinking, right? In different like almost like art style and so like where like in terms of like Marshall's case, it's like a little chibi version of himself and he's like trying to like force up a light switch where it's like turning on that persona but he can't because he just doesn't have the motivation to turn on that persona for multiple reasons that get explored. Um, you know, and and there's like mul- there's different flaws that play into his character as well as strengths whatever as you continue to find out, but like the end of season 1 was awesome end of season one was absolutely incredible because it was just like it went from like such a big high to such a low low so fast like snap of a finger because he you know literally the series starts where like he completely shits on sam's game because he played it wrong you know he played it as like some action rpg when it's like a mystery adventure game so uh, whenever he plays it correctly, he's just like, oh, this game's actually pretty cool because there's, like, all these different branching paths you can oh, do. Oh, yeah, you've mentioned this yeah, before. Yeah, it's like, oh, so. yeah, this is so cool. So he actually, when he tried, and he wants to try it again because he finds out he, you know, Sam starts becoming his friend because they're neighbors, and he finds out that because of him trashing the game on his video or stream, completely destroyed her, her creator uh, record, whatever. So he was trying to you know, basically give it another chance to help bring the game back into light where it's like, hey, this game's not as bad. I just played it wrong. I'm an idiot. Play the game. It's fun. So it's just like, you know, once he finally finishes the game and the credits are rolling, he's just like, oh, dude, this game was so fucking cool. Like, this was so, this was a great experience. I'm glad I played this again. And at this point, he's already dealing with a lot mentally, right? Like, he's already, like, having those troubles of turning on the light switch and stuff. And then it's just, like, the gloom of when it's going through the credits. And it's just, like, you know, like, one dedication of this game is, it's, like, it's, like, dedicated to martial law. Sam dedicated part of that game to, to Marshall because when Sam was in the hospital dealing with all of her health problems, she would watch Marshall's streams a lot when he was literally just starting, like an OG, OG fan. Like when it's like, oh, I'm the one person in, in, in the Twitch stream right now, that level of fan. So like, you know, uh, and it just, you know, him just playing games, living, living his best life, whatever, you know, just helped motivate her to create this game. So yeah, she has it in the credits uh, motivated to martial law. So like when he sees that, just the, fucking everything just goes black and white of just like he loses all color in his face is complete doom and gloom to the point that he actually passes out and has to go to the hospital oh then yeah love let's play if you haven't read let's play fucking read let's play man <laughs> me and john were uh fangirling about let's play not long ago john apparently reads a shot to john co-host of a game i mean he reads a lot of romance yeah me too sub-zero uh down to earth mysterious girlfriend x Fuck that, bro. Fuck you, John. Mysterious Girlfriend X sucks. Uh, I did pick up a new one, though. And when I say new, I mean, like, it's brand new. There's only, like, six chapters called Reunion. Um, did you see that? Yeah, I did. Did you read it? No. It's actually pretty interesting. I was really hoping you were going to say Love Advice from the Great Archduke of Hell. I saw that one, but did not read it. That's that one I showed you with the fish people. Yeah, did not read that one. But no, <laughs> it Reunion. Is so good. <laughs> Dude, Reunion is pretty solid. I'd, I'd recommend giving that one a read. That's another topic for another day, though. Uh, I feel like we've kind of uh, finished up here. Uh, again, this was, you know, we're talking about, you know, what makes a well-written character, some well-written characters we wanted to shout out, go a little bit more detail in, and, to, of course, talking about 86 and stuff. Uh, but I feel like we kind of reached the end of this one. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll hit the music. We'll get out of here because I'm kind of hungry. I want to go eat a wrap. Because wraps are delicious. 
music is being hit. All right, like, comment, subscribe, rate, whatever your platform allows. It does help. If you're watching this on YouTube and uh, like what's going on, you can hit that subscribe button. If you actually want to know when anything's put up, you can hit the bell, and it'll let you know. And that's youtube.com slash sparky3. Also, just to further stress how much of a Hitman Reborn fangirl I am, I want to show everyone my lock screens because I love them so much. Like, look at this. So we got a nice Suna one here. Let's lock it. Uh, look at that. Go Kadera. Lock it again. All right, unlock. Look at that. Yamoto. Let's do it again. Uh, that one's well. It's real. It's kind of it's bright, so that's why you can't really um, yellow. We got Lambo, Hibari, and Chromoka. Isn't that legit? Ten out of ten. You know, <laughs> based on those large screens, someone might think something else other than you like that anime. I know. Considering all the <laughs> shots were fairly shirtless. That's not true. Okay, maybe I couldn't see it great from my no, angle. No, yeah, they were not. They are not shirtless. Those okay. are those are children. That's weird. But I, then I also have you know the uh, the love of my life as a lock screen as well. Holly. Yep, love of my life. Okay. Anyway, uh, if you did make all the end, you're an absolute legend. We appreciate you for that. Uh, do everything that Zach said and more. I don't know what next week's topic will be because it probably won't be anime talk. Uh, we'll see. I've got a pretty busy weekend ahead of me because we're moving the pod room. Yeah. Shout out to that. This is actually the last episode in this studio. Yep. Next week. We will be in the new studio. That is my weekend plan is getting everything moved over there and hopefully all set up. Shout out to that. It's going to be super dope. Looking forward to that. It won't be completely done in terms of decorations, but everything will kind of be set up. So that's kind of the main thing. Uh, make sure to check out the website, of course. Sign up for free. We'd appreciate that. Uh, go check out the merch store. Stay, stay, well, pay attention to the merch store because we do have, like I said, a promo code coming out soon because we do have a small change coming here for Anime Plus soon. We're going to launch a promo code with that with some new designs. So that's going to be cool. Uh, with that said, till next time, guys, uh, have a good one. See you. Bye.